0: This is a download from Newstalk 106 to 108. To download other programmes or for more information, go to newstalk.ie.
1: Good morning. Well, according to a recent publication by the ESRI's Growing Up in Ireland study, Ireland has one of the lowest breastfeeding rates in the world. Anyone who's tried it will tell you it's not easy to get going. But if women in the UK are twice as likely, and those from other European countries six times more likely to feed their babies, why are Irish women shelling out millions for formula and equipment when the perfect baby food is on tap, free of charge? We really want to hear your comments this morning. 53106 for 30 cent for uh, your text. Now this morning we're going to hear from some mammies about their experiences and in studio we have Victoria White, a columnist with The Irish Examiner and she's author of Why Ireland Hates Motherhood and she's the mum of four children and I think you breastfed twins, didn't you mm-hmm. Victoria? And Barbara Scully is a writer and presenter with Dublin South FM and I think you had three children Barbara, uh, three is that right? Children, yeah. yeah, and you had to go feeding them. I had to go. Right, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Victoria, will you tell us your theory on why you think Irish women are are so reluctant to breastfeed?
2: Well, the first thing you have to say is that in every country in the developed world, women stopped breastfeeding. Um, so like even in Finland, they were down to 11% at one point, but they reversed that trend. I mean, there was a time when people didn't know the benefits of breastfeeding um, and formula. the formula companies were allowed to market. I mean, even within the hospitals, there was, a, you know, the milk kitchen in Hollis Street, which was run by Nestle. So the fact is that, um, you know, a lot has changed. But the, di- the difference with us is that we haven't changed to a large degree. So, I mean, I would point the finger at our highly medicalized um, patriarchal birth system industry a and b lack of political leadership which may come down to the fact that we are the biggest exporters of uh, infant formula in Europe so they I mean that the farming lobby is enormously important particularly to successive health ministers and um, agriculture ministers
1: would you see formula as maybe being a feminist thing Absolutely,
2: that that yeah. like maybe control of your
1: fertility
2: it actually freed women from a, a huge burden well i suppose that's the dilemma Um, I would say no I would say that a woman has a right to give her to have the time and space which is about three weeks uh, three weeks where you need time and space to establish breastfeeding I would say a woman has needs and and deserves the time and space to do that Um, and she's giving her baby what is the best for the baby and for her for her there are many health benefits to a woman of breastfeeding including a uh, less incidence of postnatal depression and um, ovarian cancer and breast cancer and on and on so I would say like, l- we cannot have a feminist movement which is saying that a woman doesn't deserve the time space and support to give herself and her baby the best it's a very small amount of time if you even look at the growing up in Ireland excellent survey on breastfeeding once breast is established for a month there isn't a very big fall off um, it's in the early days in hospital in Ireland the longer you spend in hospital the less likely you are to continue to breastfeed um, and then I mean at six months which is the recommended amount of time of exclusive breastfeeding we have a six percent rate
1: Um, Barbara I know that so many uh, women I speak to say that pressure that they feel to breastfeed is almost part of the problem in itself How do you encourage it without making women feel really bad about it? Well
0: I'm interested in what Victoria said because in my own head um, one of the things that I kind of connected when I was just thinking about this uh, before I came in was the fact that we I mean when I my youngest child is now 15 and my eldest child is is 28 and I had the the three of them in the same hospital a private hospital and um, I was in hospital for five days and I would be still there only I was you know (laughs) offered to leave after that point but I felt that five days that I had in hospital was the most, glor- when I look back, it was the most gorgeous, glorious, beautiful, relaxing time of just me and my baby. And that was when I started to breastfeed and you had help available if you needed it or if you weren't sure what was going on. And I'm surprised to hear that the longer you stay in hospital, the less likely because I kind of in my head connected the fact that we now turf women out of hospital kind of 24 hours after they're having a baby. Or sooner actually. That perhaps it, is something that would... No, it doesn't negate. Because
2: I mean, the thing is, like, I mean, I suppose the community midwife scheme, um, which they run in in Hollis Street, the Domino scheme, you are much more likely because it's midwife led. You are you are statistically much more likely to breastfeed because you've had, you know, the right support at the beginning. But I mean, ultimately, hospital is important. I mean, when I was in hospital, I was, you know, I had every piece of bad advice possible to give given to me, including stop breastfeeding your twins. But the the key thing is that we have no support at home. Where are our health visits? Where are our community midwives? Where are they? You're turfed out, you know, um, into a, you know, a, a hostile world with probably other children looking at you saying, where's my lunch money? You know, I mean, it's, it's a disaster. When you say that formula freed women up, but freed them up to, to hoover. You know, (laughs) yeah, I'm very (laughs) sympathetic with that. Look, I've got on the line,
1: Dr. Katrina Clear. She's a lecturer in NUI Galway and she's written a lot of social history, including about the decline of breastfeeding in 20th century Ireland. And Katrina, I was interested in a point you made in a letter to the Irish Times in relation to a Jackie Jones um, article that especially in the country, that women enthusiastically embraced the bottle. It was seen as as freedom for them. Could you tell me a little bit more about that?
3: Yeah. Well, first thanks Hi, Sarah. Um, first of all, I I would again be a great supporter of breastfeeding. I would have breastfed my own four. My oldest is twenty seven now. My youngest is eighteen. And one of the things that motivated me to get interested in in the history of it was the fact that I was getting such a kind of a, not so much a negative, but a kind of an orange-to-gray response from the older generation of women, my mother's generation, and not necessarily my mother, but that generation of women. And I started looking at it then, and I came to the conclusion after looking at surveys that were done in the 1930s and the 1950s, and also some oral evidence as well, that women in Ireland abandoned breastfeeding, not just not just rural women either. Um, In the 1950s, I think my own theory is that because they didn't have much choice about when they'd be pregnant, they were having quite a lot of children, and that it was a way of taking back their bodies um, for themselves and giving themselves a bit of comfort. Uh, And now you might say, well, breastfeeding would delay conception or ovulation. It doesn't necessarily, not in Mm -hmm. Um, not in well-nourished women and one woman I asked about it she said oh breastfeeding doesn't work and I said what do you mean oh it doesn't work she said you know it doesn't stop you getting pregnant so I mean I think this might have been an idea that women had that if you breastfed it would delay um, pregnancy and when it didn't work but no I think the crucial thing was there were a number of things there I mean in Britain for in 19 there was a survey done in Cork City in 1952-53 and it found that at a quarter of all babies were still being breastfed at eight weeks in Cork in 1952-53. But in Britain, at the same time, highly industrialised, highly urbanised Britain, the, the proportion was 57%. Now, how is it that a kind of a natural, rural, uh, agricultural country like Ireland abandons breastfeeding? I think a lot of it had to do with women getting married that bit older, being used to their independence, being used to perhaps having a bit of style. And having kind of having they never they're very you're talking about women who didn't work outside the home, who never got out of the house. And I think bottle feeding gave them a little bit of freedom that they might not otherwise have had.
1: Well, there have been a connection with poverty in that, you know, breastfeeding does take an awful lot out of you. And if there was certainly a shortage of food. I mean, my mother grew up in Cavan and, and she would say she saw women uh, die from malnutrition.
3: Yeah, um, yeah. That
1: it was just harder to do if if you weren't healthy.
3: I don't know about that, I have to tell you. Um, I think, yeah, there could be something in that. I mean, the breastfeeding advocates, I think, sometimes say rather blithely that, you know, you'll always make enough food for the baby. You won't. And anyone who's breastfed knows that mm. you have to eat properly yourself to make enough milk for the baby. But I think myself, people abandoned, I think women abandoned breastfeeding and I'm not sure it had, interestingly enough, oh yeah, they found out in the Cork survey, I'm sorry, I'm all over the place here, they found out in the Cork survey that babies born in hospital were more likely to breastfeed than babies. That to be breastfed than babies born at home. They also found that the bigger the family, the more likely bottle feeding for the younger members. And I think this was because it's much easier for a woman who's very hard pressed to have seven, eight, nine, or ten children. And remember, that was quite common. It's much easier to get a younger child to give the baby a bottle than to sit down and feed that baby yourself. And, you know, I agree with what Victoria said about how lovely it would be to have the three weeks to establish Mm -hmm. breastfeeding. But you have to remember that some women in those days, they might have had a week in hospital. They'd come out of or a nursing home. They mightn't even have had that. They might have been at home up on the third or fourth day looking after all the other children they mightn't have had the time to establish it. So I think there was a combination of circumstances. But I do know some women resented being made breastfeed in hospital. One woman said to me, the nuns in Portioncle made us all breastfeed. And as soon as she got home, she got onto bottle feeding, you know. So women sometimes resented being told Another woman resented being told that cow's milk was for calves by again by a nun, in a, a, nurse, a nun midwife in the hospital.
1: Thanks, Katrina. Okay. Victoria, it's funny, though, the different experiences you hear, because my mother would have said she breastfed in hospital that um, she was very much fa- made to feel that she was in the way, that she was disrupting yeah. the schedule. I mean, other nuns gave yeah. you
2: something, and I quote, to dry you up, which was um, which was a hormone that you could inject a woman in order to stop her milk coming and that was the hormone which Dr. Um, Neary blamed for the fact that he had to take wombs out of women in um, Port portly Hospital, which I find absolutely it was a terrifying. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I find absolutely terrifying because there is underlying this in my view. There is, yes, there are many, many different factors that, that stopped women breastfeeding, but also there is in Ireland, you know, a great um, fear of the woman's body and um, a great fear of a great fear of, you know, fertility. I think we have um, a cultural fear of fertility which goes back to poverty when we actually did see another baby might have just upset the apple cart and, and people died. I think it goes back to the famine, actually. Um, Barbara, so today, what do you think? Do you think we should be promoting
1: breastfeeding and encouraging it or are we just making women feel bad about themselves?
0: I think it's a balance. Um because I do think that there is uh there is sometimes a kind of um a kind of an evangelical edge to the kind of pro breastfeeding, you know, you're not a real mom if you don't breastfeed, and I think that there's not enough um consideration given to many women who find it for, for for whatever reason very difficult um, I think in, in nowadays and it's interesting because I talked to my own mother uh, yesterday as well about this and, and I was all her children were born in the 60s and she said when I was born in 1962 in Hollow Street breastfeeding was mandatory like you had to breastfeed and she said she remembers meeting a woman on the corridor who was literally she said she was standing against a wall sobbing her heart out because she couldn't she yeah. couldn't manage the breastfeeding and she said like that the nuns were kind of fairly fairly strong on. You, know, you had to breastfeed there was no choice but she said yeah two years later when she went in to have my brother Tony it was then there was an option it was optional yeah. um, and, and it was just funny she was as I say this was back in the 60s I had my kids in, in the kind of late 80s early 90s and she um, or late 90s, she uh, breastfed also all of us for about six weeks and that was what I managed to do as well. And we'd never spoken about it. I don't remember speaking to her about what she did about breastfeeding when I was pregnant or when I had my children. But we both stopped around the same time and we both stopped for the same reasons. Rightly or wrongly, we both felt that once we became more active, you know, and that's why, you know, the three weeks that you describe is, is lovely. But I think I felt certainly that when we all had big babies, surprise, surprise. And once we, um, once we became active ourselves, we felt that, that our babies were going hungry because we weren't probably producing enough.
1: Yeah, now you see, and that's a really interesting concept. And that is why that Growing Up in Ireland survey found that a lot of women do give up because they feel the child isn't getting enough. But it's nonsense.
2: I mean, I'm yeah. sorry. And I'm sorry to Victoria. say that. But it, it just is. Because like, look at us relative to, I mean, are you saying that our boobs just don't work? Irish boobs don't work? And then again, you know, in another ho- in an Irish hospital, you know, you might have an African woman ten times more likely to breastfeed in the same hospital. So her boobs work, and our boobs don't work. I mean, the truth is, our boobs do work. And you know, actually, you don't. You can breastfeed a baby successfully on a bowl of rice a day. It has to be said, though. Sadly, your body may decline. No, but the fact is, we are well nourished, and we live in a highly industrialized, rich country. And the issue is support. The uh, like, a breastfeeding. It's not a question that you're given a bottle of milk from God and. If that bottle milk runs out, it's unfortunate. Breast milk is created by the by the stimulation of the baby's mouth on your nipple. So the amount of time that you spend and uh, you spend letting that baby feed and feed on demand, is the amount is the amount of milk you're going to have. And I mean, I had to struggle with my first one. I had to go to bed for three days on one occasion yeah. in order to bring the milk up, um, and it was very hard. But once you introduce formula at an early stage, which nearly all Irish women do, ninety seven percent of Irish women who are quote unquote breastfeeding are also bottle feeding. Well, the bottle feeding will take over because the lack of stimulation of your nipples will mean that your milk declines.
1: Yeah, I remember once um, when one of my babies, I don't know, I was about seven or eight weeks old and we moved into a new house and I got this obsession that I had to get curtain tie backs and I went to B&Q <laughs> or somewhere because we had to get the curtain tie backs. I and I came home from this horrendous trip and my Breast had not filled up with milk it's it just the stress of the mm, bloody tiebacks. Yeah. so I took to the bed for two days to get up I just want to read a few texts uh, ladies I work as a, ther- a therapist with women traumatised after birth the lack of support and training in hospitals is shocking regarding breastfeeding also women giving birth today are under pressure to deliver quickly, leading to traumatic births. We need a holistic assessment of the breastfeeding problem. It's multifaceted. That's Marie Sutton. Can't believe this is still an issue. I breastfed my three boys who are now 20, 18 and nearly 12. The help in the hospital at the time was not good, but thanks to a friend, I persevered. Yeah, one person can really make a difference. Mm. Uh, Just breathing through the first feed, addressing sore nipples, etc. can really help. Um, And I think that, sorry, my screen just changed there. I think that's from Louise. I'll read a few more in a minute, but on the line is Siobhan Harrigan, and she's the national breastfeeding lead uh, with the HSC. Siobhan, what I hear an awful lot from women in those first few weeks, especially first time mothers who don't know what they're doing, is that a public health nurse can arrive in with a chart and weighs the baby and the baby hasn't reached the point on the chart regaining their birth weight and the panic sets in and the bottle is reached for. Is your first task going to be making sure that your staff, the public health nurses, are on message?
4: OK, I suppose, well... Breastfeeding support is all about building a mother's confidence in feeding her baby. And it's really important that we empower mothers um, and provide information on things like recognising early feeding cues when your baby needs to feed, recognising that feeding is going well. So we're reassuring mothers, not creating that panic, but reassuring mothers um, in their ability to feed their baby, recognising when they need maybe further help or to call their public health nurse. We have new growth charts in place now that are based on the growth pattern of a breastfeed fed baby. Um, So there's less measurement and there's less kind of focusing on weight. But weight is an important part of that assessment that the the public health nurse does for all babies, because it's one of the signs that maybe something isn't going right or that feeding isn't going well and that more support is needed. So it's a good thing. Um, If a mum can also talk to a public health nurse about it, if she doesn't understand it, just to see, you know, how her baby is doing, how the weight is plotted on that chart. So it's kind of something that the public health nurse and the mother can discuss. Um, but certainly it's not about creating panic. It's about often reassuring the mother and also giving her that information and support about other signs that she can look for to show that her baby is getting enough. And what well, I want to know the feeding maybe isn't going right and that she needs a little bit more support. But just
1: on that phrase, getting enough. And I used to mm. hear that comment from uh, older women, especially if the baby was crying. Sure, maybe they're not getting enough. Yeah. And we know from that growing up in Ireland survey, that fear that they're not yeah. getting enough yeah. is what yeah. gets women to the bottle. Like we are in a rich society. I mean, how yeah. common is the the existence of a baby who's not getting enough. So obesity is the problem.
4: A lot of women feel I'm not making enough milk. My baby is hungry. I'm not giving them enough. Actually, a baby looking for feeding frequently is actually the baby's way of signaling is producing your, helping to produce your milk. So helping you to make more milk. So if baby is feeding frequently, that's actually a good thing. And it's a normal feeding pattern in the early days, especially, and during times of growth spurts. Um, so insufficient milk supply is actually um, quite rare. Um, but women often feel that they don't have enough. My baby's looking for a feed again. He must be, you know, mustn't be making enough. But it's actually about your baby helping you to produce more milk. So feeding frequently is a good thing. So there's simple things, you know, if, if baby's alert while he's up, when he's awake, if, if baby is producing enough wet and dirty nappies, and feeding rigs Vigorously feeding actively, these are all signs that you are producing enough and the baby is feeding well. Um, so now, about just reassuring in, in relation about to what's normal, yeah. because as, as from the discussion earlier, that we we are we have come from a, a formula feeding culture and we're used to what that's like. So it's about helping moms to recognise what's normal around breastfeeding and, and reassuring them.
1: Now, just in relation to your own job, um, that survey uh, Richard Late from the SRI commented mm-hmm. on it. He pointed out that the government is spending less. Than one hundred thousand euros a year on promoting breastfeeding. Now I'm not sure how that was calculated, but he also pointed out that we spend twelve million to fifteen million each year treating infant infections, yeah, and knows. that if we took a portion of the money treating the infections and put it to breastfeeding, which we know reduces infections, we'd be better off. So what's the mood like in the yeah. HSC? Do yeah. you, are you getting the resources that you would like? Yeah. I mean, there's a
4: recent Lancet report as well, which has really provided evidence of the importance of breastfeeding for health of children and mothers and was really strong on the cost-saving of increasing breastfeeding rates. So this is certainly the argument that we, that we are making. And we've identified the need. we've identified gaps within our services. Um, we have a lot of committed staff working hard to support breastfeeding but we've also come through difficult times with our maternity and community services and we know that more needs to be done. Um, the maternity strategy that's come out recently um, has an action in relation the development of further community midwifery services, which is really, really helpful around breastfeeding. Okay, and just but we're also going to be rolling out further training and skills development for our healthcare professionals, improving the models of breastfeeding support in hospital and community, reviewing our antenatal education, so the education starts very early in pregnancy and that women get the support and information that they need around infant feeding.
1: Oh, and I know breastfeeding.ie is your website where there's a yes. lot of stuff. Now, Siobhan, one thing I just want to, to finish up with you on is advertising. Now, I know mm. the advertising of infant formula up to six months is banned, but we all know those ads that we see on the telly for the follow on milk. Yeah. You know, can we not ban those two?
4: Yeah. At the moment, the situation is the current EU and Irish legislation permits the advertising Of formula that's available for infants over six months. But surveys of women have found that they're confused by this. Often the babies look quite small on those ads, and they feel that it's actually advertising milk for younger than than, than six months. Um, Also, some studies have shown that the women find the information quite misleading. So, it's important that we have good sources of information like breastfeeding.ie. And we also have an Ask the Expert service on that, where we have lactation consultants answering mum's questions and they can just send their emails in. But it certainly is an issue that we need to ensure that women are getting good, accurate supportive information on infant feeding.
1: Well look Siobhan, thanks a million for joining us this morning and good luck with your role. Um, Getting loads of texts in on this, Wendy says, I've yet to hear about a public health nurse who actually looks at the baby instead of the scales when the baby hasn't reached their birth weight in the recommended time. The role of the public health nurse with breastfeeding mothers seems to be to put them under as much pressure as possible and to recommend formula top-ups as a lazy way of getting weight up so they can tick their box. They never offer a breastfeeding solution to a breastfeeding problem Well, that's we don't know that. I'm sure there are some who do, but having said that, most of the stories I do hear are about the weight and then the mother's crack. Put put sugar in the bottle. What I got? Put sugar in the bottle. Oh God! For (laughs) God. Okay, listen. I have to take a break now. And when we come back, we're going to be talking to some of the mammies about their experience.
2: Talking point on News Talk 106 to 108.
1: And Welcome back to Talking Point. We're talking about breast versus bottle this morning and in studio with me are Victoria White and Barbara Scully and we're going to be talking to some mammies now in a second but I just want to read some of your many texts which are coming in. Joan says this discussion is quite one-sided. In my experience and that of many of my friends, a bottle-fed baby sleeps better and as a result so does the mother. A happy and rested mum is beneficial to the child and the opposite is also true. Bottle also gives dad a chance to bond and help. Now that's true. A lot of people know that um, the dad being able to feed is a great, big help. My wife suffered extreme mastitis with first two kids and had to stop after a week, so for number three, wouldn't consider doing it again. I never had that; it looks like very painful. But I think Victoria did the same when you get mastitis. What you're supposed to do is keep
2: feeding, feed through, feeding, it. Feed yeah. through with it, support. But where's the support? Yeah. And now you, was, I, I was
1: asking you that you fed twins, and I was wondering mm. how on earth do you do that physically? How does that work? Well, it
2: was. Well, you see, I had met somebody who had whose partner had breastfed twins in Canada. So this is the thing: I knew it was possible. Yeah. And he imported me a cushion, which in Hollow Street they all paraded in to have a look at, including <laughs> the master of Hollow Street, you know, like, oh, mirabile dictu. Because, I mean, when I, when I had before I had the cushion, the babies were falling down on either side. But it was simply just um, a, a round, firm foam cushion and my babies just football hold on both sides and they when one on, on each side holding hands one little dark hand and one little white hand holding hands you Isn't know so and cute. giggling and then when they were older they used to look at each other and start to giggle and not actually feed and I mean oh gosh it was amazing and the thing is for them I think the fact that they didn't have to wait they didn't have to sit there while I went through the stress of making up bottles for twins and I'd like to just I, I'd love to just Bit at the nurses and the you know consultants who were making faces at me for breastfeeding twins because I'll tell you that bottle feeding twins you would need you know an army of slaves to help you. <laughs> okay, um, now somebody else says, do you not
1: think that the economy has a lot to answer for for women for not breastfeeding? Two weeks after a C section, I was back to work due to yeah. work commitments and to provide for my family. Many many families can't afford an earner to go down to 230 euro a week that's the maternity pay blame yeah. the government well and actually the ESRI survey said yeah uh, the time that a woman has to go back to work that's yeah. a big benchmark and from the time you it. come
0: out of hospital with your yeah. baby you're thinking I've, I have to go back to work now you're planning towards yeah. that going yeah. back to work and I think that is a huge uh, that is a huge influencer as well
1: now Emma Hayes is on the line um, Emma you're a mum of two uh, will you tell me about your experiences and what you did when it came to breast or bottle feed
5: well, when I had my daughter in the hospital, um, I had her in the shower, and I was um, I was eighteen only, so a bit, you know, youth and young, and um, bit inexperienced, obviously. And um, so we, so I had her in the shower, and then when I had her afterwards, well then, um, and well then uh, she, when I went back into the into when they sorted me out and checked Caitlin over and everything. Well then my husband came back in and um he um he was just handed a bottle. So we didn't really get any any kind of a choice as such and I was they were dealing with me so I wasn't really getting any kind of like feedback off them or anything. So before I knew it he had the bottle and he was feeding the baby and that's the way we kind of went from there. There was no real...
6: And
1: uh, and when you were pregnant, did you have any plan or conception yourself about what you wanted to do?
5: I, I did have a, a bit of an idea. Like, I suppose I wanted maybe to try, but I wasn't 100% sure. And I did go and buy bottles and everything like that, as you do, as you prepare. But I wasn't, I wasn't 100%. And I suppose I was young, and I was living out of my home at that time. So I was on my own, and I was so young. So I didn't really have much support, like, and then I found that I didn't get any support from the hospital to kind of give me some guidance on
1: it, you know. OK, so, right. Well, look, um, well, actually, Emma, just one more question. I mean, do you regret it now or do no, you say to yourself, that's just the way it was?
5: No, I don't. I don't regret it at all. Like there was no there was no issues with both my girls are both very healthy and there's no problems with them at all. And I found it very the bottle feeding I find no problems with it whatsoever and when you hear when
1: when you hear conversations like this do you resent people going on about how great the breast is or
5: no no mm -hmm. I think breastfeeding we can't argue with the fact breastfeeding is better than bottle feeding there is no way we can argue with that it is better but it doesn't work for everybody and everybody should have a choice to decide but I just think maybe that choice was taken away from me that day I think maybe education should start earlier in prenatal care maybe they should be planning for because you buy your bottles early months before you even have the baby so maybe if they Mm pre-planned it with us and worked with the mother to be maybe there would be more breastfeeding in Ireland. OK,
2: thanks a million Emma. Victoria, you well, want yes. to make a comment I would on that? say the key thing is like um, that lady's choices are made. The key thing is, what does she say to her daughters? And that is, the, I mean, the people who are bottle feeding now, yeah, fine, go ahead. Like th- That's that's all over. You've got hundreds of other things to give your children. But the point is, what will you tell? Will you tell your daughters to do the same as you or will you tell them to opt for, to fight for better conditions to do what's best? OK, now next
1: on the line is Anne-Marie Horan. She's from Galway and and she has four children who are now aged 17 to 30. And Anne-Marie, you breastfed all of them, but for different lengths. Baby one, six months, then the next one was three months, and the, f- the last two were 13 months each. Now, what accounted for the differences in, in, in the length of time that you spent breastfeeding?
6: OK, well, I'll just go back to a point that Victoria made. And the, pre- the key to me was seeing somebody doing it. Right. If you don't see, if you don't see somebody, it's not an example. If you don't see somebody doing it, well, then you don't know how it's done. And who so did it, you see? It, it was a cousin of my mother's, and when I was around seventeen or eighteen, and I saw her breastfeeding, and I said, "Oh yeah, that could work." So when I had my own, then the first child had a tummy problem. So after about three months, I was recommended to put her onto supplementary feeds. We were breastfeeding, but she kept puking everything up. So the supplementary feeds we went on. She, she got about at about three months, but I continued with the breast milk. Um, and I went back, I was gone back to work around when she was around six months. So we made a transition then to all bottles. She needed, um, in the end, she needed medication and stuff in her bottles to sort out this tummy problem. Mm. Uh, second, so the reason for number two, having only three months, was that because number one had been on those supplementary fees, the three-month growth spurt, didn't. I didn't notice it. So I'm sitting there under number two over a weekend and I'm saying, mother of sweet God, what <laughs> does he want? How long can I keep doing this? And then I said, get out, buy formula, buy a bottle. And a week later, he was on solids. Wow. Okay. So number three comes along about a year and a half afterwards. And at this stage, number two is a bit like Bart Simpson on speed. So I said, <laughs> will I be able to feed or will, you know, I knew attitude is a lot to do with it in, in the sense that if you're tense, I, you know, it's, it's hard to be relaxed and to feed. So I just said, number three, let's see how it goes. So I just saw how it went, and it went, and it went, and she's 13 months, and she's still on the blue, and I said, no, I think that's it now. <laughs> <laughs> so you feed, say Number four came after eight years. So in a way, it was like starting back again, but with all the benefits of my experience before. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So because, it's,
1: yeah. So your attitude, uh, you felt, was a key thing. At the, and I suppose that just depends as well on what else is going on in your life, doesn't it? That's it.
6: And I was being, trying to be realistic about having two kids, trying to feed a third, but having had the experience of, you know, the two different experiences, number one and two, I just said, let would see how it goes. But a key thing too, as I said, as an example, but also support. Because, I mean, I too had terrible mastitis, number one. I'm a white-skinned redhead, right? Yeah. So sore nipples, just, boys, you don't know what it's like until somebody pierces the tip of your penis with a red-hot poker. Oh. Right?
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? And you see, um, but Amory, on that, you know, women would say, but why go through it? If you don't have to go through it, just give it up and, and, and feed a bottle. So why did you persevere? Um,
6: oh, it's so, so convenient. <laughs> None of this messing around with sterilizers and mixing the bottles and putting them in the fridge and have you got enough bottles to do you for when you're going to Nana's and back onto somebody else's, right? That was one. Yeah. Number two was it's. I just enjoyed it. Even once you get over that hurdle yeah. of, you know, the, so- the initial soreness, and you'd have had the initial soreness maybe just on the first one mm. because your nipples are doing something they hadn't done before which, you know, leaves a whole other question about people's attitude, like breast primary function is to feed you know, yeah. which brought up the stuff about feeding in public and stuff like that. But um, Actually, no, on that, that's,
1: Anne-Marie, that's mm-hmm. a very important point about feeding in public because that mm-hmm. was another reason given. And it especially comes into question with the class issue because working class women, a lot of them don't uh, try. Um, uh, middle and upper class women will try but give up. And one of the reasons is embarrassment. Did you feel embarrassed feeding publicly?
6: Uh, no, because I was a jumper-lifter-upper instead of a bra-open-downer. Yeah, me too, actually. It's right. a difference. <laughs> and yeah. it's possible to be very discreet. I yes. fed the children everywhere. The best way to keep a child quiet at mass is to a boob in their mouth. Yeah, I fed them you at mass. Yeah. And yeah. It's, so it, it depends on your own discretion. It is possible. I fed everywhere, all over Dublin, all restaurants, everywhere. Buses, trains, darts, whatever else.
1: And did anyone um, ever say anything to you?
6: No, I, I, I never encountered anyone saying, put it away.
0: Barbara, you want to no, come in that? No, I was just going to say, because, sorry, i forgot that lady's name. But Anne-Marie. Anne-Marie, in, yeah. in the, one of the first things she talked about was visibility. And I think if we're going to change the culture around breastfeeding, we have got to see more women doing it. And I think for younger women coming up, that's really important. If it becomes the norm rather than something that's, uh, that's, that's hidden away and is not visible. I think that's hugely important. And I remember when my eldest daughter was born back in 1987 and I had the five days lounging around in Mount Carmel and then, and then I came out um, and our family are a bit kind of aviation geekish and there was an air show on in Baldonnell at which the Red Arrows were coming and this was a huge big deal because I mean the trouble was still on in Northern Ireland the Red Arrows couldn't even land on Irish soil it was seen as too much of a security risk so they were just coming and doing their show and going and I was like so going to this and Carla was about maybe 10 days old And I remember sitting on a blanket in the middle of like, which is quite a testosterone place, you know, an air show with loads of uh, guys and breastfeeding her. And and because I was a single parent, I was there with my brothers who were absolutely mortified they were like you are not doing that on the rock get in the car and do that and I was like I'm not getting in the car i will missed the show I'm doing this here but I do think visibility is really really important Now
1: um, I want to put this question to both of you uh, so we're getting absolutely loads of texts and one person is saying such judgmental rubbish father of twins <laughs> who saw what breastfeeding was doing to our new family very difficult it doesn't work for everybody stop making those who don't feel guilty And I'm always so conscious whenever I'm having these conversations with women because I think women feel like failures no matter what they do in every aspect of their life. The careers, how they look, how they're raising their children, your hair, whatever it is. You're not as good as the woman next door. You know?
0: Absolutely. So
1: how do you... Barbara, to have these conversations, and perhaps we're failing here about saying this is the right thing to do, and yet not make people people feel. Well, I think that's very important, it. and
0: obviously maternal mental health is a huge issue as well. Postnatal depression is a big issue, um, and you know I did some work for a while with um, an organisation called Nurture, and some of the stories that I heard through through them of really women suffering with very severe problems in the immediate aftermath of giving birth was just horrendous. So I don't think that could be underestimated. I also think the whole judgmental thing as regards women's lives is a huge issue and I I, I, I do think that guy is right, you know breast is, is, is the better option, I think most people know that but I do think there's a balance to be struck if it's something that you find that you just cannot do for whatever reason I don't think we should make you feel guilty or an outcast or anything else if you choose uh, to do it by the bottle. But I think we were just talking in the break there, I do think that this is you know, that feminism has um, has created um uh, a world or a, an ideal which is really geared towards women not really being women, um, and I think there was recent uh, there was recent talk in the media about um, a company I don't know if it was here in Britain who were offering period leave to women, you know, and a lot of women were like, "Oh my God, that's just ridiculous." Whereas I think no, it's not, and I think it's the same with breastfeeding. I know again when I was when my my uh, my youngest two children were born. I was I thought I was a superwoman the the quicker I got back to work the better the woman I was um which meant again you know kind of coming out of hospital breastfeeding but thinking okay I'm not going to do this for too much longer because then I need to go back to work and I need to be a normal woman and and not a leaky boom And
1: were your your friends expecting you to do that or was that No that was me Yeah
0: That was me expecting to do that
1: I found a lot of people were expecting me to start going to lunches and dinner parties and things and re-entering society and I was going no but I felt judged for saying no I'm going home to bed I've just expelled another human being from my body Yeah And, and I know there were people who judged me for taking that time to myself.
0: Yeah, I so. think it can be a hard thing to, to, yeah. to actually stand up and say this is what I'm doing well, and this is deep, what my prayer is. There's deep is.
2: cultural roots to that. I mean, there was a period in, in Paris where every single baby was sent out to a wet nurse and most of them died. I mean that's a fact in the, in the 1700s and the husbands, the upper middle class women didn't want to breastfeed and they, their husbands wanted them back they wanted their bodies back so there was a strong patriarchal tradition going on and I mean to be honest there's a voice of that patriarchal tradition still there you should be back, you know, should be ours. you should be ours you shouldn't be there's there's a whole um, segment of society that finds the, the exclusive um, kind of adoration between a mother and, and her baby very disturbing, you know um, okay, so now, uh, Victoria, a uh, text for you. The breastfeeding saint of
1: Victoria laid me, had a lady, had me until her quote unquote breastfeeders comment referring to women who both bottle and breastfeed together. You want more support for women, start being supportive. I think what you were talking about there was, and this always happened to me at 11 weeks. I crack at 11 weeks. There was some <laughs> spurt or I'd, the, the exhaustion just got, that was the wall. And I'd give the first bottle then around at night or something. And then you did enter that spiral where your yeah. supply will gradually, gradually reduce. And yet it can get you through and it can mean you breastfeed for a bit well, longer. Like, fa-
2: no, it, no. I mean, like sort of factually, statistically, yeah. if you combine feel, feed, you you will it's highly unlikely you'll continue to breastfeed for any length of time I mean I have that from the former breastfeeding coordinator um, she said that you know that is a fact so like the thing is it's fine if you want to do that because you're going back to work for instance like I mean I had a baby who wouldn't take a bottle um, and I had a huge difficulty so like if you need to introduce the bottle because you're going to go back to work and you need to bottle feed whether expressed or formula well then that's what you do
1: Okay we're going to hear from another uh, mother now Annie Kane she's in her 40s now and she has two children aged 7 and 3 and she chose from before birth to bottle feed. And here's Annie.
7: My name is Anne-Marie. I'm a mum of two boys aged 7 and 3. Um, I made a decision during my pregnancy to bottle feed. Um, main reasons was that I felt I needed the support of my husband. I, On my two children I had a C-section So the recovery was very painful and very tiring. And I felt then during the night feeds with a newborn every three hours that the night that my husband was able to take over, I was able to gain back my sleep. I was more prepared then for the next day because I felt that I couldn't cope on my own. Um, It was a decision that was supported very much so by the hospital and my doctor. The attitude was that Breast is best, but there's no problem with bottle feeding. Um, I did listen to all sides of the breastfeeding argument. I felt that the best advice you should get is from your doctor and your hospital when you're pregnant. I feel these breastfeeding forums, the people that are on this crusade of breastfeeding, it's great. Yes, pass on the advice, but they're aggressive. Don't make us feel bad that I've taken the route of bottle feeding my boys So Victoria perhaps you might
2: fall into that category of women Well I'm prepared to because to be honest I'm you know my children are older now and God you know I've gone past the point of caring really I just think that uh, actually Irish women are capable of hearing the truth and I think that's what they deserve
0: I think you do have to Barbara. be careful how you couch it, because I do think that when there's when there's when there is an element of judgment coming into it, I think that I, I think I always feel, no matter what situation, that you get be- you get better results by encouraging rather than trying to bulldoze.
2: Except and I we think have the lowest breastfeeding rate in the world, so yeah. like whatever we're doing, we're not. And whoever should be made to feel guilty, I'll tell you, no, not mothers, but the medical, the medical profession. Okay, and on
7: that, I have to take a quick break talking point on news talk 106 to 108
1: and good morning and welcome back to Talking Point and we're talking about breast or a bottle this morning and Victoria White and Barbara Scully are with me in studio and uh, one of the things we haven't uh, focused too much on is promotion by breastfeeding companies and I'm sure anyone who is small children will know that all the ads for uh, formula, the follow on stuff are on during the children's uh, TV programs like Peppa Pig and stuff like that and um, I remember when I did uh, crack and go and get the formula I was trying to choose between Aptamil and Cow and Gate which are both made by by Danone. Aptamil is 13.49 Cowan Gate is 11.49 and uh, I've had a look at the ingredients on both and there are teeny weeny tiny little differences but as far as I can see they're pretty much the same thing and one is two euro more than the other. But so are they
2: inspired by 40 years of research into breast milk?
1: Well I asked I asked the uh, Danone's PR people about it and uh, so they said all formulas fully comply with the strict compositional criteria outlined in the European Legislation Framework on Infant Formula and Follow-On Formula Commission Directive 2006 slash 141 slash on infant formula and follow-on formula, statutory instrument number 852 of 2007. The product labels provide full ingredients listing and nutritional composition for all formulas.
2: Uh, so, I don't know, those, the follow-on ads, Victoria. It's not just follow-on. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, yes, the, there's a UN code on the marketing of breast milk substitutes, but every Every bit of leeway is taken by the formula companies. Let's not be in any doubt about that. I mean I think it was two years ago there was an SMA baby and pregnancy fair in the RDS and there was also one in Cork. So you went in as a pregnant mother and you saw SMA emblazoned over all these different stands. There was a breast an SMA bus, the you know, which, in which you could make up formula, was sitting outside Dundrum Town Centre about a year ago. Now, I ran, rang up uh, SMA. In the UK, that bus was put back in the garage in a very short time. Here, not a problem, just keep going. And um, all this sort of the issue of, you know, can you, are you able to, don't feel guilty. Those are the emotions which they are playing on in order to market this product to
1: you. Uh, One other thing also which we didn't get to mention was the GUI, the Growing Up in Ireland survey also said that almost half of children in Ireland were weaned onto solids by four months of age. The prevalence of early weaning in Ireland before six months suggests that parents in Ireland are not aware of the health consequences for their children. Putting them onto solids early is actually a, a very big problem too. There's a lot of misinformation out there. Look, Barbara... The, the, I suppose the consensus appears to be more support is needed now what kind of support do you think would make a difference to women who are Wrecked and exhausted and under pressure, and want to do the right things for their baby, but want to do the right things by themselves well, I too. Think, I
0: think part of the key is probably putting the, the women and the mothers at the centre of this um, rather than you kind know, doing what's best for your baby and, you know, a filling, you know, kind of uh, um, being an earth mother and, you know, whatever else. Because, I mean, most women, when they've had a baby, particularly if they have other babies, there's so much going on. Um, so I think giving women that space and allowing women that time um, to get established with breastfeeding is, is terribly important I think also the visibility is very important but also I think that the whole thing about these multinational companies uh, being allowed to do what Victoria has just described I think we have a rather sick relationship with multinational companies in Ireland and I think that also comes into play on this Okay
1: well look thanks a million for that that's it for this morning and thanks so much to everyone who contributed if you've been listening and you're at a low ebb or if you're pregnant and hoping to breastfeed do get in touch with Lalesh or Quidju they talk me through a lot of helpful problems and to all the mammies make her a couple don't be putting pressure on her. Bobby's up next. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to this News Talk 106 to 108 podcast. To download other programs or for more
6: information, go to newstalk.ie.